So hello and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I'll be your host for this evening. Now, um, tonight's episode is a... It's going to be kind of like a Friends of the Show episode. Um, And the title is There's Nothing Grim Down in Druid City. Now I know why it's called that, and you will know why it's called that. Because joining me tonight is... um, a gentleman who ran a really successful Kickstarter campaign earlier on this this year, not too long ago. It's James Hudson from Druid City Games. So, hello James. Good afternoon. Hi, how's it going? I'm very, very good. (laughs) Or as we we say down here in the south in the States, hey (laughs) y'all. Hey (laughs) y'all. How are you doing this fine evening, sir? <laughs> no, I'm All not right, going to. I'll do British accent. You do uh, Southern. Can we do that uh, all the way? Can we do that all the way through? Could you? Can you do a Scottish um, accent? I cannot do a Scottish you have accent. To do a Scottish like, accent. Can you? Roll? My, everybody was makes fun of me that I end up sounding like Russell Crowe in the Robin Hood movie when all I try right, to well, do let's, British. Let's do that because yeah. that's fantastic. Because Russell Crowe, or like some weird Crocodile Dundee <laughs> type thing, which just it just doesn't work. As so. long as you're not Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it can, it kind of fades to that. So, uh, I did the voiceover on uh, the Grim Forest. Right. It, so, if you listen to the video that's on the Kickstarter page, yeah. I tried to have a little bit of an English grit to the to the tone, and I had people say, "Hey, you know, you did kind of Russell Crowe it like Robin Hood, where <laughs> your accent changed a few times throughout that. It was only two minutes." So, but technically, it could have been worse. It could have been Kevin Costner, <laughs> who, did, uh, yeah. who didn't bother kind of changing his accent. Kind of like he's just all. like I'll go with it. Yeah, so, he's like I'll just go with it. So how where so whereabouts in the whereabouts in the south are you then, James? Uh, in Alabama. So we're in a town called Tuscaloosa, and that's where Druid City Games comes from right. because our town here is called the Druid City. Okay, um, I'd like to point out as a quick aside <laughs> that Alabama is one of four states in America that has yet to download an episode of We Are Not Wizards. Because so, ah, I, I went through my, I was checking kind of last week, and I was checking, and I was like, I've got North Dakota, I've got South Dakota, Alaska, and I don't expect anybody to be downloading from Alaska, and then there was Alabama, and I was like, yeah. what am I doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably what are you doing right? All right, okay. I mean, do you all like kind of like wizards and stuff like that, <laughs> kind of like in North Dakota and South Dakota and Alabama that you know. You, you're too much loving your magic that anybody that says that they're not wizards, you're not allowed to kind of yeah. get involved with. You kind of chuck us out. <laughs> well, one of the, one of the jokes that we have here is, um, you know, we're 49th in education yeah. out of all the states, so it's thank God for Mississippi, which is next door, which is 50th. So, <laughs> listen, I have nothing wrong. I have nothing against Mississippi because they've at least downloaded a couple of episodes. I'm just, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, I'm not judging. That's the only thing they're beating us in, apparently. So, or anyone at that matter. Oh, there you go, there you go. So, well, first of all, thank you for coming along to the show. Um, sure, thanks for having what me. What I was alluding to before I was stuttering over myself was um, that you ran the very successful and very well loved and received um, Grim Forest Kickstarter, which ran earlier on this year. Which, yeah, March twenty first. Yeah, which. Um, Kind of took on, took, got a lot of love and a lot of interest, and it was down to a, kind of mm-hmm. like a couple of things. the The gameplay was 
looked extremely interesting. The graphical style was fantastic, and there's a lot of backers out there that can't wait to get their hands on the miniatures that will be coming their way as well, because they also kind of look stunning. But yeah. um, this wasn't your first venture into Kickstarter, was it? You... Um, no, no, yeah. I had a game last July that we launched called Barnyard Roundup, which mm-hmm. was a family-style card game. Okay. Um, I, I started with a very small project that I could learn the business, learn mm-hmm. how to make a game and fulfill it. I didn't want to start with something big and uh, bankrupt the family if I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> did a terrible job. Okay. How did you, um, I mean, before then, how did you get into the, the kind of the games themselves? How did you get into the hobby? Because one of the things we like to do at We're Not Wizards is we have... We like to have a look at people's pasts. We like to have a little dip into the present, and we like to maybe have a little, um, I guess, a little search off into the future to see what we can find. Sure. So, what I mean, what kind of first got you into the hobby at the beginning, then, James? So, I've only actually been in gaming for about three or four years. Okay. Um, I'm not a long term. You know, I didn't play D and D as a kid. Um, you know, in my culture here in the southern. Uh, U.S., all that stuff is of the devil and would never be allowed to be in anyone's home. So I wasn't exposed to any of that stuff. Uh, I was a good God-fearing boy that was made to go to church and all that kind of stuff. So now I'm just a heathen. But So when I got it, you know, the game that, that grabbed me, that got me, was Power Grid. I know that's not typical to everyone's, but I, I met some new friends a few years ago. Uh, I saw they were playing games. I'm like, hey, what's that? They said, it's Power Grid. Sit down and play. So I sat down and played, and then I went down the rabbit hole. Uh, you know, I loved it. I went and went and got the tropes. After that, I went and grabbed Ticket to Ride, yeah. uh, Settlers of Catan, mm-hmm. uh, Carcassonne, all those games. Played all those, and then, you know, it just kind of, I've always been left-brained as far as I've, I've done photography. Yeah. I like to draw. So I like to create things, and instantly... I had game ideas, uh, so I drew some of those out. And me and my friends were sitting around about two and a half years ago, two years ago, and said, I'd really like uh, to make some games. And I started drawing them out on note cards and trying to make games, and that led to it led to Barnyard. So if you've ever played uh, Crackalackin' Poker, uh-huh. uh, that is kind of one of the big inspirations for Barnyard. It's we we love that game, especially if we're drinking. Yeah, uh, it's the perfect drinking hangout game. And but we wanted to make it. I wanted something I could play. I have an eight year old and a three year old now, but at the time. Uh, my son was five, and there's not a lot he can read or play. No. So I wanted something that he could easily recognize, and every child can recognize farm animals. Well, I mean, old, so, old MacDonald had a farm. It's yeah. probably a universal kind of song, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, I didn't have to teach him. Whereas, you know, in Crack Like and Poker, it's really hard to tell the difference between, like, the snake or the uh, spider and the scorpion. Yeah. They all kind of look similar. So anyway... Uh, and I never really liked that you're playing to have a first loser. I like to play things to win and have strategy. And so that's kind of the the idea behind Barnyard is that you're doing set collection mm. and that you you can see people's sets in front of them and you can use that information against them. So I can see, you know, you're trying to collect one of all of the five animals. And if I can see that you're missing pigs, I can pass you the three face down cards, Richard, and be like, hey, Richard, mm. that is the three, that's the three pigs that you need. And you're over here, you know, you're like Princess Bride. You're like, would you give me what I need? Nah, you wouldn't do that. And so you say no, and you flip them over, and they're actually the three pigs, and everybody flips the table, and they're pissed off, and it's great. Um, 
And people are like, are you trying to teach your kid to lie? And, you know, I think it's a very important skill to learn how to lie. Uh, we use it every day. You know, if the wife comes in and says, how do I look in this dress? You you know, and if it's not on point, you might want to say that it's on point anyway. You know, so we well, learn. You got, you got, it's a defense, that's a defense mechanism. I mean, that's a survival yeah. trait. Do I look fat in this jacket? No, absolutely not. You look stunning in that jacket. You that's know, right. And that's, it's a survival instinct. It's not just. Oh, uh, listen, we can't put it all on the women because no. we're just as bad yeah. if, you know, we say, hey, babe, what do you think about the job I did over here? And we probably did a crappy <laughs> job on something. And they're like, it's pretty good. Yeah. They're lying. They're lying to us. They're trying to protect our ego. So yeah. it goes both ways. It's really not about lying. It, it really does teach children critical thinking and how to uh, make a choice under pressure because when it becomes your turn and you have to like, oh gosh, there's, you know, people crumble sometimes under that pressure of having to try to fib or tell the truth, but mm-hmm. you have the option. So anyway, it's a lot of fun. My five-year-old play tested it for a year and a half. He loves it. He still says it's one of his favorite games and I don't think he uh, would say that because five-year-olds and eight-year-olds, they can just tell you like it is. Unless, of course, um, he's learned these critical thinking life skills and he's professionally, <laughs> he's managed hey, to he's lie eight. really convincingly to you. He is, he is milking me for all the Pokemon cards, so is if he? he thinks he could get an extra pack of Sun and Moon cards out of me, he's all over it. So, when, I mean, when you made the first game, did you specifically aim it at kids or was that kind of like a happy coincidence that came along at the... Mm-hmm. At the same time, yeah, I did. You know, because as I as I spooled up my board gaming uh, kind of career and mm. or <laughs> fandom, uh, you know, I really enjoyed playing. I don't like necessarily super super heavy games, but I do enjoy a game that's got a little meat to it. And playing anything that my son at the time could play made me want to drill a hole into my head. You know, it, you know, Candyland and Shoots and Ladders and all that yeah. kind of stuff that he could play. That's not really games. It was really boring. So I wanted to make a game that gamers could play with their kids and still enjoy. Yeah. And bluffing is just fun. So anyone can sit down. You know, grandma can sit down and play. One of my favorite moments is my grandparents were helping me play test the game. They've been married for 53 years. And my grandmother tried to bluff my grandfather, and he was like, nope. And like they, they just stopped trying to go to each other because they can't lie to each other. They've been around each other too much. They know all the tales. So, yeah, it was it was a combination of of – I wanted families to have something because that was one of my biggest joys of board gaming yeah. was it helped me and my wife connect. You know, we oh, had, okay. uh, when you start having kids and stuff, it's so hard to have date nights and spend time together that's meaningful mm-hmm. other than just sitting in front of the TV and zoning out. Uh, so, you know, the board games really re-sparked our marriage and helped us kind of connect more. And I wanted something that could help the whole family do that. And it didn't make, you know, the dads or moms gamers feel like they're just trudging through mud. So, what's your kind of your current favorite? I know, obviously, you've been you've been slightly busy making <laughs> successful Kickstarters, but when you sit down with it, you know, when you sit down with your wife and you you're playing a games, have you got kind of like go to games that you oh yeah that you play on a oh, regular yeah. basis? So, I'll, I'll give you three that we can't get enough of right now. Okay. So, Raiders of the North Sea, which I know is a little bit a few years, maybe a year ago or so that it kickstarted, mm-hmm. uh, but it just got nominated for a spiel. Right. Uh, Love it. It is a fantastic worker placement game. I've only had it a couple months, so we've only played it a few times, but I'll play it at the drop of a hat. Uh, King Domino. Uh, love that game from Blue Orange. Uh-huh. 
Now, if you haven't played that one, it's super quick filler uh, city builder with tiles, but it's just got a great dynamic. We played it last night. Game night uh, is my Monday night's my game night. We played it four times in a row with the group. We just were like, run it back, run it back. <laughs> uh, and then a game that no one has heard of. It's been out a little bit, and I don't know why, but it's my favorite social deduction game right now. Is Don't Mess with Cthulhu from Indie Boards and Cards. Very simple. I have, to, I, you know, see, I have to see what this one looks like. <laughs> I'm gonna. It's I'm gonna you know, it's just normal. Like it, it could have had any theme put mm-hmm. on it. Uh, it actually over on your side of the pond. It was released by a. I never say their name right. Yellow, Elo, Elo. Um, that any of those will do because I'm exactly okay. the same. I think I like oh, you know good. if it's like is it Jello? You know, it kind of does look like that. You know, it's probably pronounced something different. It's probably called, we're called Dark Fourth Games, and it's just, you know, yeah. that's, that's how we Well, they it. released it as Time Bomb. And so if you've heard of the game Time Bomb, mm. it was Sherlock versus Moriarty. Yeah. Uh, but they rethemed it for over here because of terrorists or something. I don't know. Uh, so those are the three that I'm playing a lot of right now. Um, then also, I, I got an early copy because I do some reviews uh, on my YouTube channel, the Board Game Spotlight in Druid City Games, uh-huh. and I got a chance. Renegade Games sent me Flatline, and I have been playing the hell out of that game. So if you like Fuse that they had from before, yeah, this is like a big, huge cooperative Fuse, and I really enjoy all the dice chunking and chaos. It's a lot of fun. Has doing the reviews, has that come as part and parcel of kind of collecting games at the same time? I mean, was that something yeah, else just yeah, yeah. kind of get... I guess if you're getting your name out there, then yeah. it helps. One of the things get, I tell yeah. all the creators about is you should have something... It's kind of like karma, right? Something that you're putting into the industry. Yeah. Some sort of content. It's called, it, in the marketing world, it's called content marketing. Yeah. But in, for us layman folk, it's called karma. If you put something in, when you ask for something out, you know, it's a lot easier and a lot more palatable for everyone to say, hey, well, this guy's provided me a service for two years. Mm. I don't mind helping him out. Oh, by the way, his game's actually pretty fun. So <laughs> I got a good game in addition to that. <laughs> but I just, so one of the things, my inter- my reviews aren't, I don't sit in front of the camera uh, and discuss the ins and the intricacies of the game. Yeah. My idea is I get down with my gimbal, my phone, mm-hmm. it's really bare bones. I dive into the gameplay as quickly as possible. I try to keep it un- in the range of five to eight minutes so that people can quickly see, is this a game that I might be interested in? Hey, then you can go look up Rado, you know, Richard Ham's video and watch a 30 minute playthrough to see if it's something you really want to invest your time in. It depends in. if he's, um, if, if he's decided he can play it with his, um, with his wife as well. Cause that's the, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the funniest ones. I've seen a couple of videos where he's, he goes, is, is it, a, is it Kim? Her name is, I think. Uh, Jen. Jen, sorry, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, Jen, yeah, Jen." He's like, "Shit, I'll just get Jen, 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 come play yeah. with yeah. this game and stuff like that." But no, I think you have to. Yeah, I think you're right. I also kind of builds your profile if you're a well-known face in the community. When it comes to you, as you said, kind of saying, "Well, listen, guys, can you can you kind of help me out with stuff?" Um, I think people are more willing to give it back, unless if you're just going out with a begging bowl and saying, "Well, listen, this is what I'm doing. Give me, give me." Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, I think people can tell if you're not genuine about it. You know, yeah. if it's if it's a if it's a whole show. But you know, for me, I just I really enjoy 
board games. So it's an excuse for me to get more board games. It's an excuse for me to learn more board games. Uh, you know, I tell the wife, I'm like, hey, babe, I had to get this game because I got to do a video on it, you know? Um <laughs> uh, She's like, yeah, but you, I'm like, no, 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 no. I've, you know, you got to play it with me too. So it's, you know, now it's, now it's date night material. So you can't say no to date See, night. That's night. I mean, that date, I mean, date night, you're so right. Cause a lot of the time it's like date night. Let's go, you know, let's go to a restaurant or let's go and see a movie or, you know, actually sitting down and you're just interacting and you can chill out. You can have a beer. You can not have a beer. You can have music on in the background and you're having to interact with a person and it can get funny. It can be very, very competitive. It can be, you know, mm-hmm. kind of very, very playful. And that's the, that's what we always bang the drum on about, you know, board games is you have to be kind of semi-social about it. Even if you're playing yeah. something like semi-dry, like Power Grid, which I did play. And um, I enjoyed. I came last, but that's because my, I'm a man of very little brain. So <laughs> I was kind of like, people are going like, right, I'm getting this, then I'm going to bid for this, and then I'm I'm going to turn this into this, and then I'm going to produce this, and I'm just sitting there going, okay, so this is coal, right? This is the coal. <laughs> this is the coal power station. Um, <clears throat> have you found with your, you know, your profile has obviously been raised with um with what happened with Grim Forest. Have you mm-hmm. found it's been easier have you stepped away from the reviews at the moment while you were working on Grim Forest? Were you have you has it been have you found people actually approaching you more saying, Hey listen, could you do a run through in that kind of game? Has that has that kinda of happened at all? Yeah, you know, it's it's it is really hard to um balance everything being kind of a small operation like this, you know, you gotta, uh, I, the, the reviews did definitely slow down during the campaign, uh, of Grim Forest just because it, it's just natural. Something has to give. Exactly. You just but, imagine you, know, you lead it over a box and going, look, there's the counters. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's a game. Um, here's the instructions. There you go and read it, read it yourself. <laughs> I'll catch you next yeah, week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On my, on my end, I, I'm only got so much bandwidth, you know, and so you got to just, you choose to do it wisely. And, yeah. But I kind of let everybody know within my groups and circles, you know, during the campaign, they probably wouldn't see a lot of content, but it also helped that, you know, the first part of the year doesn't have a ton of new games. No. We're about to enter the kind of the high season between Origins and Gen Con and the UK Games Expo and then Essen. You know, those, those four kind of set the bar for the year on what's going to come out. So, yeah, yeah. When, I mean, going, let's talk about the kind of the, I guess, the, 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 the three little piggies in the room. So I didn't design Grim Forest. That's, it's done by Tim Eisner. And so Tim Eisner is from Portland mm-hmm. and I met him. Um, at, he did March of Ants. If you've ever played March of Ants, yeah, it's a really of, great yeah, 4X game. Yeah. And so I met him at Gen Con last year, around August, and we had met online and talked online. I'd helped him promote March of Ants a bit. And as we uh, as we jived a little bit there at Gen Con, he was like, hey, i got a couple games that I've been presenting. I was like, oh, I'd love to see them. I just want to play them. Yeah. I think you're a cool dude, you know? Let's, let's go hang out. And so I played. At the time, it was called Little Pig. And um, loved the gameplay. It was, I tell people this, it was the, my favorite game that I played at Gen Con last year. And when I told him, he told me that it was available, we weren't even looking to publish anyone else's games. We had our own games that we were developing. Yeah. I put everything on hold. I said, 
you have to let me have this game. And so if you've seen uh, the movie Saving Mr. Banks, it's the movie about Walt Disney yeah, chasing down I watched that P.L. Bit, Travers. Yeah. I watched that about a month ago and it was... Is it yeah. Like- <laughs> that was me. I was Walt Disney. He was a nice P.L. Travers because uh, no one's like P.L. Travers. <laughs> she is. Wow. But I had to harass uh, him yeah. for two to three months and it was a very friendly persistent harassment but i mean i had a clear vision for what this game needed to be i knew i could combine my art team of mr cuttington who's worked on you know santorini unfair steampunk rally some of those games and i knew their art skills mixed with this world would just make something very vivid oh steampunk rally is one of my favorite games and i certainly know the artwork i'm familiar with the artwork on um, santorini yeah who isn't it was a standout kind of memorable game of um of last year certainly so did you was there a lot of courting going on did you you know did you have to lavish him with gifts or was it just kind of like the occasional (laughs) text message or you know i think he just uh no he just saw my passion for the project and i i had to convince him that hey if you give me this project i will put it at the front of my line like nothing else will come before it it will go straight to the front and i'll pump it out as quickly as possible. And because the game was finished, it just needed to be repackaged and Mm -hmm. put together in a new skin. And so, you know, we still ended up developing it a lot more and adding more cards and more characters and things like that. But um, it, it was one of those things where I just had to convince him to see what I saw in the game. And once that happened, he got on board and I, you know, I think if you interviewed him now, he would say the same thing. It, it, It blew away his expectations and he's happy with the result as well. Was that a difficult decision to kind of move on and publish somebody else's work then? Or um, a little bit, you know. I've got. I mean, I've, I've definitely got some more of my own games that I, I'm looking forward to doing yeah. more with. But not for me, not really, because I just I like to facilitate fun, even like at game night. I'm I'm the game. I'm the person who learns games and makes it so that when people show up for game night. No one's sitting around reading a rule book. We can jump right into a game. Mm-hmm. I'm explaining the game. And we're playing it because I want as many people to have fun as possible. And so I saw that his game had huge potential. And I think once people get it and get to start playing it, they'll see what I saw. It's just so good. It's, it's not super deep. You know, it's not Kanban. We're not going to be spending three hours playing it. No, but. It is, it's such a vivid world that comes to life and the gameplay is a lot of fun that you'll be able, everyone I think will keep this game on their shelf and it will be their gateway plus game that they can bring people into the hobby with. Yeah. Cause it's re, in, in essence, I mean, it's, you've probably explained this hundreds of times before, but it is in its base. It is kind of like a collect some resources, um, yeah. kind of game. Yeah. yeah. But, there are, as with always, there are certain things that influence it, like kind of other characters and cards within the game, which raise it to kind of different levels and kind of give it kind of additional kind of additional tactics as well. Which, yeah. and <clears throat> there was a buzz about Grim Forest well before it was released. That's right. How did you, I mean, that's one of the things that people talk about, and we'll get on to maybe Kickstarter in general, if, you know, and I will promise... Hand on my heart, Mr. Hudson. I promise I will not rant and rave. Because I am a ranter, but not a raver. Okay. But um, how important was it to, to create the buzz and create the interest beforehand? Was that one of the goals? Was that one of the things that you sat down and consciously decided to do? Because I remember hearing, you know, 
couple of months before even the, the Kickstarter started, people were mentioning you in the we have to watch out when the Grim Forest is going to get launched because there's going to be a hell of a lot of interest on this game. You know, and that, yeah. was, that was where it was coming from. And there was a lot of buzz about the artwork. There was a lot of buzz about even just the simplicity, the mechanics and what it was offering. And it was just the entire package. People were saying, well, I had people saying to me that this was this was the kind of the full package of a Kickstarter. The, this was the kind of the bar that you had to kind of uh, kind of look to reach now kind of thing. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but I'm just... <laughs> do you know what I mean, though? There was Because the, yeah. the Kickstarter itself was really, really well presented, but the buzz before, there was a lot of buzz before. So did you make a conscious effort to generate this buzz before you went into the Kickstarter phase? Yeah, so... Uh, well, first of all, thank you. But uh, secondly, yeah, I, my, my background is in marketing and advertising. Yeah. In a more corporate in the corporate world, so in the construction and trucking industries, All right. and so that's that. Are, those are things you know. Building marketing campaigns is what I've done, and so that you know, I just leaned into my strength there. That if you look at a movie that's coming out, they don't just pop plop the movie up the weekend that it opens. No. There's a build up to the movie. There's trailers that are released. There are second trailers, sometimes third, fourth, depending on, you know, the the hype and the the scale budget of a movie. Yeah. And so I treat I'm gonna treat all of my projects in the same way that it's like a movie release. I mean if you Kickstarter is not a place that you put something out and then you go, all right, guys, there it is. Y'all come and get it. No. You know, it's if you don't bring the audience to the project, you're not going to make it. And so, one of the reasons that I feel like the campaign had such legs, it, you know, because it had a great first day. We hit right at seventy thousand dollars on the first day, <laughs> but it was because it had legs because of all the marketing and you know push that we would done into the market to show people the game before it launched we put the first look video from man versus meeple out about 2 months in advance of the game launching and that's that's what you have to do now i mean you know right now as we're talking simon just launched uh green horde zombicide yeah. it's at $800,000 in an hour and so you you're up against people who have full on uh marketing departments full on uh campaigns going so you can't just expect to throw it up there and you know say oh if i can get ten thousand dollars i'll do well uh, that and by the way that doesn't make you any money you're actually going to lose money on projects like that yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you get unless you got a kind of a, a kind of a backing on that um and then you ran it and then mm -hmm. it was you know it was doing some as you said it got seventy thousand in the first day and it just seemed to keep going and going and going now, one of the things you do see, and we said, we, we actually said before we recorded, uh, the Simon guys don't need any more publicity, but <laughs> they seem to have a mechanic or a way of doing things where they have, here's all the stretch goals and they have everything planned out yeah. and ready to go. Yeah. When you were doing, well, you were doing that for the Grim Forest, did you have, in anticipation, had you sat down with all the artists and said, listen, just in case... Um, let's get everything ready or were you kind of mm -hmm. hedging your bets and saying well let's maybe budget up to a certain amount how did how did that kind of go yeah no i had i had stretch goals built to 350,000 and so 
uh, I, I expected it to do in that range. At least I hoped it was going to do in that range. Um, and I could, you can typically tell from your pre-marketing, if you're getting a lot of engagement from your pre-marketing, uh, then you should expect good return on your campaign. Like people who put out ads and, and they don't get any engagement, people aren't liking it, commenting, sharing it, sharing it with their gaming group. If you're not getting anything, you shouldn't expect those people to spend money either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were getting, Hundreds of shares of the images we were putting out. We were getting thousands of likes. Uh, so I, you know, I could tell that I had hit a chord that this game and the things that I, my vision that I had previously was going to translate to the market. The other thing, like, uh, and I'll do a one quick word on the companies like Simon. You know, there's a group of people out there who seem to think that Simon doesn't deserve and shouldn't be on Kickstarter anymore. And I can understand that feeling, but I, I'll say, you know, for me, I love that they're on Kickstarter because they have set the bar for us. They have brought the market to this, this platform that I can now use. All I have to do is put together a package that looks good to the market. Yeah. Um, and so, had they not brought all these massive numbers to Kickstarter, who knows what Kickstarter would be able to do? So, it's a double-edged sword. You can say, oh, I don't want to go up against them, uh, in which there is some truth to that. You don't want to be, go- you don't necessarily want your campaign to go up against them head to head. But they've, they've grown Kickstarter as a board game platform so much. Uh, you know, I, I'm grateful that, that what they've done and that they keep growing it. You know, it's, there's more people have money to spend on board games. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a kind of, as you say, it's a double-edged sword because if there wasn't these really, really big campaigns, would you get the same kind of guys? That, the guys that are hanging around for Green Horde today, are they at the same time going to be looking at other kind of smaller projects at the same time? And he's thinking, well, maybe I'll stick $50 down on this because this looks interesting. Or, right. you know, I, I mean, one of the things that Kickstarter seems to be doing is it seems to be trying to build up an internal community. So you can follow yeah. people now on Kickstarter. So, oh, yeah. you know, what will happen is you'll not just get the digest to say, okay, the following games are here and you can have a look at them. Or what you used to find with Kickstarter is you actually need to go into, I'm going to search games, I'm going to look at tabletop, I'm then going to have to order it by, do I look at it at most funded? Do I look at it by search right. by magic? Do I look at it by what's got the least days left. But what you get now is you get a list of everybody that you know who is back to a particular game. Interestingly, it doesn't give you the level, which is quite good, because I think, <clears throat> I think, like myself, I liked the idea of pledging for a game at a dollar and then seeing where it goes and following all the updates sure. and then jumping in at the, at the kind of the end of the day when I'm, you know... Yeah. Yeah, I call that the eBayer. You're the eBay guy who likes to jump in the last two minutes of the campaign or the of the auction and snag it and snipe it. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. exactly. That, yeah, and there's a lot of people I think that idea. want to see the full package before they commit their money, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, you know, you, I think Kickstarter really opens the the door for any type of buyer uh, pattern, and that's great. You know. Um, there's some people that like to support from the beginning. There's some people that want to wait to the very end and see what the whole package has. And yeah, I think there's some people great. that want to. Um, you have people that almost habitually back games and then realize they've backed too many and then drop out. Or you have people that will back games because sometimes putting in the being able to back it at a later date 
sometimes increases what they'll actually spend as well because maybe they don't feel pressurized. I know that um, one of the guys that we had on um, a good couple of months ago, um, which was um, uh, Purgatory Minis, um, Gary Devereaux, he was saying Mm -hmm. that they made an extra 25 to 30% on their funding that they got on Kickstarter because they had a late pledge manager. Uh And people jumped in and added in additional extras and the other reason they had the late pledge manager was those people that were pledging maybe for one set of minis went in and they pledged for another two or three because they had seen now what they were definitely going to get and you know they knew it was going to fund and stuff like that so it's a kind of a yeah it's kind of like i know a lot of people that will just go in and say right i'm backing one project and i'm doing this i know some people that will back lots of projects and put a dollar here there and everywhere and then after the campaign's finished, they'll decide who to jump with. But um, I've, I've kind of seen that. But you're right. I don't know if um, if it would be the same situation if the big guys, you know, like your Steam, you know, your Steamforge games, like your Mantic games, like your Seamons mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this world would kind of be kind of jumping in instead. But you are a big main guy now as well because I mean, Grim Forest <laughs> went on to get 400k. What what was the what was the mood like in what was the mood like in camp when you were doing that? I mean, were you getting was it the excitement just building? Were you wondering you were like, oh my goodness, because the game funded and you ended up pretty much all stretched out. There wasn't anything you could kind of offer. That's right. Yeah, we 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 cruised right into the very end. We actually, uh, because like I said, I had uh, I had stretch goals all the way up to three hundred and fifty, and so we went back and we could see that we were trending toward four hundred. So we actually put together two extra cards that um, some ideas that we were going to talk we were talking about for uh, the expansion of the game, mm-hmm. and so we went ahead and pulled two characters out of those mechanics and went ahead and put them in the base game. So it's one of those things where because of the, because of the success, we were, we really were able, what a stretch goal should be is add more content to the game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to kind of support it. And, you know, another thing is like the minis, like I have the pre-production copies here in front of me that I'm looking at from my manufacturer and they look fantastic. Uh, they and so like, you know, like the dragon mini, that's not something that I would have been able to put in the base game uh, no. just because of the complexity of it. And it's much larger and takes up a lot of room. The box had to be bigger to be able to hold it, things like that. And so, you know, we really did. Uh, we didn't have a lot of Kickstarter exclusives. We only had one that was the box sleeve. And, you know, we didn't offer a discount. We didn't um, because I want the experience from the first person to pick it up to the last person that buys it retail ever to have the exact same experience. I think we've all experienced that where we go, like I found about found out about blood rage after the Kickstarter. And so the first time I played it, I was like, Oh my God, I love this game. I have to have everything that this game offers. (laughs) And I find out that half of the stuff that I was playing with in the version that I was playing with was not available to me. And I, I I mean, pure hatred filled my heart. I wanted to burn the building to the ground. I was like, no, you don't understand. I want it all. And then I go look on eBay and those pieces are 75 to a hundred dollars a piece. I'm like, it's going to cost me $600 to get this game that I could have just got. So long story short, there's my ranting and raving. I can hear the rage. (laughs) (laughs) The blood rage. Exactly. The blood rage Uh, is swelling. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, we all like having something special that brings us to the party. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's no reason that that can't be 
something that's not exclusive to the game content. And so that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to make it where uh, the backers got something cool. That box yeah. sleeve is going to be gorgeous. It's going to look fantastic on your shelf. It even has a little message on the back of the of the box specifically for the Kickstarter backers. Um, then from that, though, anybody who picks the game up can have the same experience and they don't have to feel like they got cheated. Yeah, I mean, they're just missing a piece of cardboard as opposed to a mini that we'll never, ever see again. There's a I, game mechanic, man. I gotta have that Fenrir in my Blood Rage set. Come on. <laughs> I do. See, I mean, I've seen, and if I'm being honest, it's one of the things that I look out for. And if it is something that says exclusive, it kind of can put me off a little bit. It depends what it is. If somebody says to me fundamentally that they will be the stuff will be available in retail, then I'm quite happy with that. I mean, Dark Souls, the board game, for instance, they've come out and they've yeah. said. Every single piece that you see will be out in retail, and I'm like, well, that's cool because it means I can hold back and I'm not gonna have to, you know, um, I'm not gonna have to jump in with both feet and maybe sell a major organ in order to get all this <laughs> stuff here. But yeah, you know, we I, had plenty of people say, you know, why should we back now if it's going to be the exact same in retail? And we said, don't, you don't have to. Just no. support your friendly local gaming store. We support, we love our retailers. Like yeah. our industry is better because of retailers and gaming stores. But we did say, hey, look at all these things that we want to add to the game. So without volume, without that money now, we can't afford to put these into the game. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a two-edged thing. Hey, do you want to see that dragon in the game? Because if yeah. you do, back now. Back if, now yeah. if you're cool with waiting, then wait. All yeah. good too. Did you see um did you see an uplift after the you opened up the pledge manager afterwards? Was there a was there a little bit more of a jump after uh-huh. the gun? Oh yeah. Yeah, and the pledge manager is still open too. So if anybody's listening to this now and wants to get the Kickstarter version, they can still get that and get the box sleeve. But we will be closing that pretty soon, probably okay. in the next six weeks, somewhere around maybe Gen Con. That's when we've got to turn in. Because the way that the manufacturing works is I've got to give them an exact number of how many of the box sleeves to make. Yeah. And then we're packaging our Kickstarter versions differently. They're going to be, if you, if anyone listening got unfair, uh, I'm totally copying Kim Brabeck's uh, shipping method of putting our games in a pre-mailer box. So it's going to have corner protectors mm. and really thick cardboard right. that is shipped in the box on its own. It's because it just protects your game and there's not, it shouldn't be almost any damage no. uh, that way. And so, uh, you know, retailer versions, I got to turn all those numbers in. So the re- the pledge manager will be closing in the near future. You should have said next week. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't do that to people. You know, I can edit that in. If you just say now it'll be closing in next week, I can then cut this bit out. No, I can push no. it back 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything remotely so that you could splice together like that. <laughs> you don't know what I could splice together. No, I'm just, you know, I'm That's not, true. That's true. You know. Um, so in general, you know, I, I'm just really excited that people are going to get this game. I think they're going to fall in love with it and it's going to be one that, uh, you know, you know, Sometimes things you can play once or twice, you come disenchanted. It makes it to the trade pile. I don't think our I don't think our game's going to make it to too many trade piles. I know it's not for everybody, but I don't think it'll. I don't. No, I'm thinking about the kids playing it because I can imagine me sitting down to like a a four like a four player game with my daughter who'll be thirteen, and she'll be like, "Ah, oh, Dad, this is so embarrassing, but it's so good at the same time." And yep. my four year old will be able to jump in and either play alongside me, or by that time he'll be able to kind of play along by kind of by yourself do you um do you back yourself i mean being somebody <laughs> in the kind of the reviewing 
being in the reviewing thing, and I'm guessing you're having people saying, would you like to do a, a video on my stuff? Do you kind of venture out and, and, and place a buck here and there yourself at all? Uh, so I've backed 352 projects on Kickstarter, so I've backed a few. Okay. I think there was a distortion there. I think you said you backed 352 projects. Uh, no, that's exactly right. 352. And so... What's um, your house made out of board games? It is. If you if you follow me on Instagram or uh, Facebook, you'll see my office space, and it's it's shelves and shelves and shelves of board games. I think my collection's around six hundred and fifty or so currently. Wow. Um, like I'm looking at my sheet right now, so I'm backing Metal Dawn, Street Masters, Role Player Expansion, uh, Deep Space D6, yeah, Kokoro Avenue, uh, Carthage, Manhattan Project Two, Zombie Sides, Zombie Tsunami, uh, Archmage Origins, Path of Light and Shadow, Heroes of Land, Air and Sea. I mean, I can keep going. It's like I have about 35 active backs right now. I saw the Street Masters, and I instantly my little um, Mega Drive chip. In my brain went Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage. Oh so, yeah, yeah, Double Dragon, all that stuff. Oh yeah, Renegade, the whole kind of final fight, the whole kind of thing. Kind of thought about that, but I'm, I'm taking a, I'm taking a look. But I'm also kind of guess backing away from things as well, just to because the summer's coming over and you get to the point where I actually need to start playing these things. How I mean, do you get a chance to play all these games then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I typically, you know, I play, as soon as they come in, I get really excited because half the time I forgot that I backed it because I've backed so many. It's like a Christmas present randomly showing up on my doorstep. It's Christmas. I don't even, I don't even really dive into the Kickstarter updates that I get in my email too often because I get so many. But I will say that when they show up, I typically want to, because it's, for me, it's almost like research. Uh, I can see, uh, you know, how they presented their project, how well mm-hmm. it did. What is the gameplay like? You know, did they uh, undercook it as far as development? Could it have done something different on the graphics? For me, it's just part of like study for my trade. Do you look at it from a logistics point of view as well? And you're saying, well, how do you know who who put this together? Who kind of shipped it out to these? You know, who shipped it out as well? What the kind of the packaging's like, what they've included in the box, kind of. Do you, oh, yeah. t- do you oh, take yeah. notes? I mean, are there guys that you kind of like? You get it through and you go, "Oh, for goodness' sake!" I dropped, well, you know, I dropped be... one hundred and twenty dollars <laughs> on this, and you packed it in a paper bag. <laughs> yeah, no, there's. I've been surprised at uh, how few projects I've been upset with out of three hundred and fifty-two. It's pretty. It's a pretty low number. Yeah. Um, uh, but I've I have definitely been underwhelmed by some people's uh, presentation, and then I've also been really pleasantly surprised by some. So you know, especially like when I got Gloomhaven the first time, I was like seventy nine dollars. What the hell, Isaac? Like you are a crazy man. <laughs> there is no way he made any money on the first round of Gloomhaven. Well, I think that's why he had uh, to do the second round of Gloomhaven. Well, and I'm not sure that he made any money on the second run either. Like no. I still don't understand his pricing model for what's in that box. That's like ten games worth of content uh, for most publishers. Uh, I, I, yeah, so it's it's crazy, insane what he did, but. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of games that are just really, really solid. I'm looking. I'm actually looking over at my. I have a Kickstarter shelf that's just like filled with Kickstarter <laughs> stuff. Uh, and you do you know, have? Did you like have said, Steampunk I'm, Rally then? Just as a quick aside. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I have everything that, done by. I love that game. 
Yeah, I love Roxley. Roxley is to me one of they've they've also set one of the standards as oh, far yeah. as the way the game publishers should go about their business. I, I emulated a lot of their um, you know setup when I was building my Kickstarter. A lot of this, Richard, a lot of this is not rocket science. You know, there are really successful people out there, and you just need to mimic some of their stuff. You know, I mean, obviously you got to do what's true to you and yeah. present in your way. But if people are being successful with their formula, there's no reason that you shouldn't glean off of their formula and for yourself. And you're not stealing. You're just kind of share. It's like sharing best practice. I mean, what this is what yeah. you're talking about. I mean, if it was a if it was an organization and you were and you were 15 guys in the marketing department, yeah, and you were mm-hmm, saying, well, mm-hmm. how did you get on with the how did you get on with the the the, the, the one and a half ton mini digger campaign. How did that go? Well, we did this and we reached out and we ended up reaching, you know, 15,000 people and we ended up turning over 12.5% conversion rate on that. That's amazing. Okay, what are we going to do with a 10.5 tonner? Well, we could do this. It's like everybody would share best practice. So I've seen it happen more and more because I'm, I am part of a Kickstarter. There's a UK Kickstarter group and people will jump in and say, oh, you should be doing this. And a lot of the times people will put up a preview of their Kickstarter campaign and say, okay, be as cruel as you like, and people just jump on and um, kind of give feedback on that. Right, right. And I think it's one of those things where um, most people who do Kickstarters, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be harsh for a minute, right? No one cares about your feelings. So if I give you feedback that you don't like, I am very not sorry because you need to hear this. Like people would come to me and say, I don't like this. I don't like that. This is stupid. This looks bad. And I don't get offended. I go, tell me why. Tell me why you don't like it. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Because all feedback is good feedback, whether it's great. Now, are people, are some people curmudgeons or some people trolls and they're just being, yeah, for sure. Mm. But there's still some truth to some of the things that they're saying that you can apply. Um, so in my instance, like I want to help people understand that some people are so in love with their idea that they can't separate their idea from what the market wants to spend money on. Oh, if yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you know, yeah, if yeah. you can't package your game in a way that people uh, can consume it. So one of the things that we wanted to do with Grim Forest is we knew we did not want to go over $49. And so that's another reason why we couldn't put a lot of the minis that we wanted to into the base game without severe financial risk because we, we ended up packing a lot of plastic in a $49 game that also had subsidized shipping because everybody hates paying to ship a game. Like I, no one likes to look $49. Great. Oh wait, $20 to ship it. So it's actually $69. That's your real, that's your real proposition to the market. It's whatever people have to really put in. And so, you know, it was refreshing for everybody in the UK to go, Hey, I'm not getting walloped here. You know, he's paying for the VAT. I don't have to pay for that. I've only got to pay, I think, what was it, 10 bucks yeah. uh, for shipping. Uh, so $59. Which um, is ridiculous. And then, you know, it's just ridiculously small because I've seen, I've seen smaller games that have had much larger kind of shipping yeah. on them. That's because people didn't do their homework. They didn't, they yeah. didn't approach this as a business model. And that's what people, You have to do that. Like, if you don't, then um, you're just really selling yourself short because you really are presenting a business proposition to a market. That's really what you're doing. So, what's what's the next step? I mean, you have 
you've um, you've you've planted the flag in Kickstarter, and you can claim you know a massive <laughs> victory there. You know you have you've uh, you know and and I you know I, and I'm just what's next? Where do you go after this? You know what do you do after this? You know do you get it? Do you do expansions for the Grim Forest, or do you you know? Are there other games that you want to do? Because, as you said, you know, Grim Forest wasn't yours. You took it, you polished it up, you made it look fantastic. You, you worked together with the creator, and you put something out there that you know, well funded. What's next for yourself? I mean, have you got have you got other projects kind of on the go in the background now? Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, we're going to make sure that we follow through on Grim Forest. It's up and running. We've got. Almost all the files are to the printer, and mm-hmm. so we're on schedule. So uh, we haven't hit any hiccups yet that uh, that would slow down our delivery date. Cool. And so right now we are currently working on a game, and this will be a worldwide exclusive. Dun dun dun! dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, we've got a game that we're working on that we hope to launch in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter on Kickstarter. The name of this game will be called Alice's Wonderland. So it is a worker placement game that is set in the universe of Alice in Wonderland. And um, it's a very whimsical, fun, uh, again, gateway plus type of game. So think uh, champions of Midgard, mm-hmm. worker placement, dice rolling, whimsical world um, that is just going to look fantastic. I'm, I'm actually working with the artist on the cover art now, and I'm working with Tim Eisner. It's going to be another Tim Eisner game. Oh, excellent! And, and actually, he's he's actually designing this one with his brother Ben Eisner, and they're going to go by. Get this! All right, this might be the first time the world's ever heard this too. The brothers Eisner. <sighs> so cool. Um, and so, you know, I'm really hyped oh, about this game. Dear. We played a prototype version two weekends ago with Tim and loved where it was going. Love all the characters. So, again, it's going to be a very, you know, what's probably going to end up being a staple of our games is our miniatures and how uh, cartoonish our miniatures are going to be. Like, I love the life and the vividness that comes out of them, uh, just like in Grimm. So, I've already worked with uh, my sculptor and we've uh, sculpted the first version of. Alice. I think everybody's going to really enjoy having a Cheshire cat and a Mad Hatter and the rabbit and the queen miniatures. Those are just going to be a lot of fun to have. Even if you don't even like, if you think the game sucks, you can be like, ah, but I got these really cool miniatures. Everybody likes, there's, um, there's, they've always gone as far as kind of like having dark Alice in Wonderland and stuff like that. And then, you know, every, every couple of years they do like, there's a TV movie that comes out or there's a TV series that comes out or there's another film that comes out and they're always, it's such a well-loved story that um, yeah, worker placement that sounds a different take. But then it couldn't work as a, it wouldn't be another miniatures game. You know, you couldn't. You know, I can see. Oh, we've definitely got miniatures, and the way that they work is is pretty cool. So I'm gonna wait until we've got a little bit more developed to talk about that. Yeah, but yeah. It is. It is really neat the way that they work uh, and how you access the different characters to get their powers that to help you pull out whatever strategy that you're trying to pull yeah. off. So No, what I was thinking is you couldn't have like a one-on-one kind of, but I guess you could have a battling kind of miniatures game, but worker placement oh, with yeah. minis, that sounds... Uh... Yeah, we need to have an Alice in Wonderland battle arena. <laughs> <laughs> You can build out her player card, and she gets you know bazookas and uh, very whimsical. It'd have a very Green Lantern kind of feel to it, since and it's in the Wonderland world. Everybody has <laughs> removable heads. Yeah, 
For sure. <laughs> and Cheshire Cat can just come in and just like poof, blow everything to smithereens. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds fantastic. Let's make that happen as well. That can be like a sub mini stretch goal for it. That might so, have to be like a fan fiction type thing. <laughs> oh, you don't, I don't think you want to go down the fan fiction route with Alice in Wonderland. I'm sure there's some really, really kind of strange kind of stuff going on in the whole kind of the whole kind of fan fiction department kind of thing. So yeah, um, so that's coming out. That'll be the third, fourth quarter of this year. You know, I think I would. I, I'm going to shoot for sometime the Kickstarter be sometime in October because okay. I feel like uh, I like the idea of Alice in Wonderland in October. It just feels very Halloween. Can I put you, Johnny, on the spot and put an invite in to say, will you come back onto the show and give us a chat more? When you know yeah. more about the game, sure, absolutely, absolutely awesome to kind of you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I'm hoping in the next few weeks I can um, I can release the official like cover art and the miniature and let everybody see all that because I, I'm man, I'm like a kid on Christmas Eve when I get this stuff. <laughs> I just like oh, I can't I can't keep it to myself. So are yeah, your kids like to. telling you to calm down and grow up a bit as well? Uh-huh. <laughs> Dad, yeah, for sure, you're embarrassing us, kind of thing. No, nah, I was... my son, I'm turning my son into an ultra nerd. He's gonna be, he's gonna be worthless to the r- regular world. No, there's nothing so. wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> I was breaking out. Um, I broke out my copy of um, Super Dungeon Explorer for my four-year-old son tonight, so you mm-hmm. can see all the mm-hmm. miniatures for mm-hmm. that and. It's such a simple game that I reckon we could probably give it a shot. If we house rule it a bit, he could probably play. Because he was like, "This monsters! I was like, yeah. And he was like, dragon! I went, yeah. And he went, there's a big guy with a club. I went, yeah. He says, why are all the little girl models got no clothes on? That doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't play yeah. with it, you know. His mother's looking over and going, we don't play with those models, darling. I shall t-. And I'm getting a Paddington Bear stare. Kind of, what I'm doing, kind of what am I doing wrong? Um, Sorry. <laughs> exactly. There'll be words in the car kind of thing, as you would say. Um, after that, I mean, have is there other games that you... I take it you've got... You must have... With this, you know, where you are just now, mm-hmm. you must have other projects kind of sitting there. Are you in the kind of designer mode? Do you have mm-hmm. four mm-hmm. or five other things that you're thinking, well, I could do this and this is where we're going with this and this is where we're going with that? Yeah, so we've got and, I, and I'm not going to announce any sort of no, theme. No, lines, no, 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 got, no, 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 no. We've, <laughs> we've got another game after Alice that we're really excited about that mm. is going to, let's, let me just say I'll say this. If Great Western Trail and Orleans had a baby that was playable in 45 to 60 minutes that's the game that we're developing after alice's wonderland and then after that um really really excited about we're building a dungeon crawl uh so (laughs) i'm uh it's it's gonna take a lot of development you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of story building there and a lot of that but you know uh one of the things i really Loved and hated about Mice and Mystics is that it set a fantastic world up that my kids enjoyed listening to. But then when I went to actually execute the gameplay, it was very clunky and finicky. And so we're going to build a dungeon crawl that families can play together, but, um, you know, the adults will very much enjoy. Yeah. So no, I, I, I played it as well. And we, you, you house rule it because yep. you have to get through 
there's nothing worse than getting through to a rat. Getting through to a rat, facing off against them, you've got three characters and you get wiped out because you've rolled the wrong dice at the wrong time. So a lot of the time I kind of house-ruled it. And I love my Mystics. It is I love of, it. Love the world. Love the story. I, yeah. The kids love the story. When I'd yeah. read them the preamble before the campaigns, they love it. But yeah. then I, then we would start trying to resolve combat, and I'm having to check all the rule book again. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Let me make yeah. sure. Okay, so this cancels, and that cancels, and times two, and I'm not sure, and oh, my God. And then the kids are zoned out, and they're over there. They're done. So we want to make it a very streamlined but streamlined, but still elegant, you know, still has some, some depth to it. So, yeah. uh, and plus the world that we plan on putting it in, I think is, um, man, you know, if everything lines up, I, I, it's going to be, it's going to be what you're, I hope you, people get used to seeing from Druid City Games, which is a very vivid, colorful, uh, impactful world that they want to go, you know, explore. Where'd the name come from? So Druid City Games is, again, you know, I'm from Tuscaloosa, and so our city is called the Druid City. It oh, is based right. off the huge oak trees that we have here. So we have a river that goes in the middle of town, oh. and it has just these enormous oak trees. And so it was called the Druid City. It, it To me, it made perfect sense to be a nerdy type of thing with the word Druid in it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, based on my hometown. And our logo uh, was done by Mr. Cuttington. And, you know, I, we kind of gave him that direction. Put a city in the background, river in the background, big, awesome oak tree. I love trees. I have a tattoo of a tree. You know, trees are kind of eternal and show you the whole life cycle and all that kind of hip, you know, hippie goodness. So. <laughs> and you're and you're now, you are now kind of on your CV as your job title is game designer. That's right. That's right. So I have left my corporate job and um, at the end of this month will be my last day and I'll be a full-time game publisher. Wow. And so we're, we're, you know, it's, it's exciting and also mm. vomit inducing all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's like away from the steady paycheck, but it's kind of like, the thing oh, yeah. is, you know, but I mean, it must mean, is that, that must make a difference to kind of like your work life balance. Cause you said you've got quite young, your kids kind of sound quite young. So, yeah. Eight and three. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, um, Four-year-old, eleven-year-old, thirteen-year-old. So, okay. I would probably jump at the chance if I knew I was going to be. I take it. Are you going to be based in an office? Are you going to be working from home, kind of thing? Working from home, yeah. <sighs> at least for now. Yeah. Or a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> when you, need you know, to, yeah, when, when you I need, need to some teach, quiet, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where like I get to kind of set the pace of my life now, and right. I'm going to take my kids to school in the morning. And, yeah. It'll be it'll be fun. There's there's but there's definite like you know some long nights where you're working to midnight and so but I yeah but I know there's other days where you can just when the sun is shining and the day's just right and you know it's not too hot and you can just you know you can grab the kids you know in both hands and say let's go for you know let's just go out the woods and just you know muck around for the day kind of thing. So that's always you know yeah. Yeah. I typically don't do that. I'm I'm pretty married to my works. I think that's one of the things yeah. that's made me successful even in my career previous to this. But uh-huh. uh you know, it's a you know, I think that's one of the things people romanticize the idea of being an entrepreneur and making your own. But typically if you're a very successful entrepreneur, you like to work. It's just part of you because um it's one of those things where it's you want to go have some margin, but you also know if you're not working, you're not killing anything and putting it on the table to eat. So, yeah. no. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the question I get asked is like, you know, when I had, um, and I'll get asked when I say that you've recorded an episode, it'll be, well, how did, how did you get James Hudson on the show? And it's like, I kind of, 
I kind of asked them. <laughs> yeah, you just reached out and asked. <laughs> I said, you know, I sent out a message and said, you want to come on the show? I mean, that's, that's as difficult as it gets. You know, it's like, what are these? I don't know. I always, my personal thing on an entrepreneur, and I'm not an entrepreneur. I mean, I'm in sales and marketing kind of thing. Right. So, and I'm not, you know, I am, you know, I, there's, I, there's stuff you would always like to do. And it's a case of, you know, but all you see in these kind of business guides is here's the 10 things you need to do in order to be successful. And mm-hmm. what I usually find is the guys that are the entrepreneurs are the guys that rip through the first 10 and then write the next kind of five or seven yeah. themselves and just kind of, yeah. keep, kind of keep working away at it. So it's not just, you can never say, I don't know, I have a lot of respect for someone like yourself that's saying, right, I have got myself to the level and you've worked hard and you're now at the point where you can say, well, this is me now doing things for myself which is and it's amazing to think this is all doing you're doing this on the back of cardboard which yeah is incredible. that's it <laughs> we you know what we sell fun richard that's what we do like yeah. we promise people fun and we we sell fun and yeah. so if you can deliver that experience people will pay you to have fun yeah and people need fun you know I, it's it's an essential part of life absolutely 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 no um this has been fantastic. Um, you know, I am absolutely delighted you've come on, and this has been a thoroughly brilliant conversation that we've had. But if people want to keep an eye on what's going to be happening with Druid City Games, where where sure. can they find you on the internet the internet webs? So I spend the majority of my time. I run a group on Facebook called Board Game Spotlight. Okay. It's really where I put all of my content. It's where I have all of my conversations about what games I'm playing and what things I'm working on. Typically, you don't see a lot of stuff about Druid City Games there. I do also have a Druid City Games website and Facebook page where we do updates. You can also go onto the website, druidcitygames.com, and sign up for the newsletter. So any major information, game releases, things like that will be funneled through there so you won't miss it. But yeah, Board Game Spotlight's a great place because we've built a really cool community. Like this week, Flatline uh, from Renegade Games, uh, I did a review for it, but we're also giving away a copy to kind of inaugurate the release uh, tomorrow, actually, on the 31st. I don't know when this airs, but the 31st is the release. So uh, I have a lot of publishers that give away a lot of games and do a lot of spotlights of the games that they're doing, a lot of Kickstarters. So uh, I would, in, if people want to come and check out more board game stuff online, that would be we, a good place to do I, it. I mean, we'll make sure we put a link in, in the show notes. Um, sure, that'd be great. I take it you're on Twitter? I, yeah, we're on Twitter, Instagram. Um, I do Reddit a good bit. Uh, on the board game group, uh, the what is it called? The the board games subreddit over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's then, actually uh, just our for it's just our yep. our board game. Yep. I think. <laughs> yep. And then uh, I, I just, obviously I put all of my content on YouTube for reviews. Um, Druid City Games on YouTube. So, okay. well, as I say, with normally what we do is you know if you when we, we will put the links in the show notes, so we have notes to show. As always. <laughs> uh, no, I guess worse. There's, there's a, <laughs> um, James, listen, thank you very, very much for coming on. Um, you know, yeah, thanks I, for having um, me. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, and um, you know, I know that people are going to be going, but the Kickstarter was like a couple of months ago. Why are you speaking to him now? It's like because. I like speaking to people and I'm nosy. That's that's the kind well, of Well, and there's always stuff going on. So, I mean, Except you know. Absolutely. Uh, it, this is, to me, uh, and I've said this before, this is when the real work starts after the Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, delivering the thing that you said that you could you could do. So, yeah. This yeah. is a good time to talk to people. 
absolutely when the kind of the dust is the dust has settled a bit. Yeah, the you honeymoon's know, over now. The honeymoon's <laughs> over. Exactly. Now it's the real work. Yeah. Exactly. You were doing eighteen hour days when you were running the Kickstarter campaign. Now you have to do twenty seven hour days instead. That's so. yeah, that's right. Because guess what? If I miss that deadline, oh, there's gonna be some angry backers. Oh, so exactly. gotta make sure it's right. Yeah, you wanna stay away from the comments kind of thing. Because I've seen those <laughs> things when they go bad. Yep. My goodness, yep. I've seen what happened when the I think the Dark Souls boys kind of delivered. People were getting a couple of days late and getting their games delivered, and oh, oh, yeah, the, they don't like the that. Toxic. <laughs> you need they don't a, like it. <laughs> you need a hazmat suit to go into that place, you know. But um, yeah. <laughs> they were kind of they were kind of expecting it. Um, but that's it. If you want to keep a track on what we are up to, and mm-hmm. we thank everybody that does kind of listen and support us and share our stuff on the various social media channels we are also on you can find us on we're not wizards.com you can find us through facebook which is we're not wizards you can find us through instagram which is we're not wizards you can find us through twitter which is also we're not wizards you can Search for us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they're now known. If you search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast, then you will find us. If you wouldn't mind, we always appreciate a nice little rating. So as we always say, and I'm not going to say it until I get a court injunction stopping me from saying the same joke. We've heard it 69 times. (laughs) We might as well hear it again. Um, Don't give us a 10, because that'll make us big-headed. And don't give us a one, because that'll make us cry. Just give us a give us a five, you know, average, because um, we are definitely average. But um, and that would be fantastic. There are only two things left to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. <laughs> are we wizards, James? Uh, not today, but I'm working on my Gandalf. <laughs> Is there a Gandalf impression? Um, Go on. Do you mean it? Do you mean it to be a good day, or do you simply mean that it is a good day to have a day? <laughs> a wizard is never late. He's That's always on. He's always on time. Yeah. That's right. And the second thing to do is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the thoroughly entertaining James Hudson. Say goodbye, James. Goodbye, guys. See y'all. <laughs> I do love that little you got there. Um, and, and it's a rather it's a rather terrible accent for me, um, but it's a goodbye for me. So um, remember, uh, stay safe. Roll sixes. Um, keep an eye out for Alice's Wonderland. We're going to get James back on to have a chat about that closer to the campaign, if I haven't scared him off with my terrible accent for today. But until, today. <laughs> but until the next time, it's goodbye. <laughs>